I think I'm having an art attack. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Art Attack with your host, Lizzie Dastin, and myself, Justin Bua. And today, we're talking about a contemporary artist. Artist. It's hard for me to call him an artist. Man, this is going to be rough. Artist, activist, visionary, public thinker. Uh, Yeah. Cleverist. Um, uh, Somebody that definitely came from the contemporary art world and was born from the loins of this movement. Olafur... Eliasen. Eliasen. I think that's is how you say it. Swedish he's, or he's German? He's Icelandic oh, and he's he Icelandic. has a studio in Berlin, but he also it's like Icelandic and then from Copenhagen. So I don't I don't know, but he's multidimensional, baby, like everywhere. Like goes Olafur Eliasen <laughs> from like the the greatest places in the world. This is gonna be a rough conversation. Berliner, <laughs> baby. Oh, jelly donuts. Listen, I don't know much about him, but I almost threw up when I heard his TED talk because I just couldn't handle the amount of fucking stuff that was coming out of his mouth. I'm oh so my god, sorry. I was so deeply moved by the TED talk. Oh god, it was such trite bullshit. Are you kidding me? Tell no. me about the waterfall then. I if would you love think, to. Yeah, tell me about the waterfall, <laughs> and then I'll tell you what I think about that. Okay, so I'm. I think that. And also, by the way. What is he doing in the what is he doing in the rivers? He's tainting the rivers with color. Let's talk it. about those two things. Cool. I Because we know that he's a light guy. Talk about Wait it. a minute. Wait a minute. He's talking about <laughs> the, those two things and then we have to discuss his light stuff, which is cool because I, I want to get one of those at Bed Bath and Beyond. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my god, I want to hit you so bad. Lights Plus. Lights <laughs> Plus is that a place? Can you get his stuff there? Go ahead. Okay, so he is a master. Don't of use the, the word light master. In space it's not movement. fair. All the artists <laughs> out there who you've heard that, I apologize. I'm so sorry for her. Go ahead. <laughs> Say that again. I'm so sorry. Michelangelo's a master. Rembrandt's a master. Sargent's a master. Rockwell's a master. I'm so sorry, everybody. My apologies for Lizzie. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. <laughs> so, as I said, a master of the light and space movement, total innovator. And what I think is so dynamic about Olafar's work, and I just want to give a little disclaimer. I think that it's respectful to call artists by their surname, but I don't really know how to pronounce his. So I'm just going to say Olafar, which is his first name. So mm-hmm. for that, I apologize, and only for that. But anyway. And so, for master. <laughs> so what's incredibly prescient about what he was doing is that he was thinking about art as a participatory socializing experience for his was, viewers. So he doesn't think about it that way anymore? No, he does. But I'm saying he was thinking in those terms decades before all of the people who are doing that today. How old is he? 50s. So decades before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he was doing so when this he was in like the 90s. Six? Okay, gotcha. When decades. he was in utero, he was like, right. how was can like, I... How can I change the <laughs> lightscape of the world and illuminate my own pathology of bullshit. Go ahead. I really think that he is on the forefront of mm. this new movement in mm. public art mm. that is more about 
the opportunity for the viewer to see him or herself in the work than it is about the work as a passive static object. And now a lot of people are doing that. We have so much street art that is not just about the work or the message or the impact itself, but it's about the way in which its viewers can photograph ourselves in front of it, thus completing the intentionality of the work. I recently did go to Montreal and everywhere in Montreal, specifically downtown, like where Notre Dame is, there's all of these projections all over the city. But those are just projections of film and, and, and art on the wall. But it's everywhere in Montreal. Well, I think that it's that crazy. is the way that art is going. That yeah, I could see that. Yeah, no longer are people interested in just seeing something that is totally, static. in their eyes, yeah, static and passive, yeah. that's bound by a frame, that's hung up on a wall. They want to include themselves in the experience of viewing and in the experience of image making. And that is something that Olafur was really anticipating before many of the people who are doing it today. Okay, so... Explain the waterfall. waterfalls. Yes. Absolutely. So he did a lot of public art projects, and this one was was the the best known, the most expensive. Mm -hmm. It actually cost, I think, fifteen point five million dollars. Oh, that's a great way to spend your money. I I just said it because I wanted your reaction. But the only thing that had cost that much up until this point mm -hmm. was Christo and Jean Claude's The Gates in right. New York, which I also saw, which was awesome. So in the waterfalls, mm -hmm. it's a traveling. Experience It can happen in multiple cities and has, but all of the bridges in New York turned into waterfalls with massive tons of water mm -hmm. spilling from the, the girds and the structures. And in listening to Olafur talk about it, mm -hmm. he said that optically, when a waterfall is close and not all that dramatic, the water appears to be cascading rapidly. And when waterfalls are bigger, more impressive, further away, the water seems like it's trickling in slow motion. When in fact, it's waterfalls the at the same rate. Exactly. Yeah, but who who doesn't know that? Well, I didn't know that. That's come on. It's it's falling at the same rate. Well, it's I just knew because that. it's close and not close. Totally. But and the fact it, <laughs> that he even said that was so fucking sophomoric. And I was disgusted by that. Because I'm listening to it going, that's it? But it's not. He was using that as a launching off pad to suggest that viewers feel things about the art in their bodies, that we just naturally have an instinct about space and mass and distance that isn't really a conversation topic when you're looking at a painting on a wall. He wants the viewer to fully experience in an organic and in a visceral way. Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't believe that I'm going to experience in, in, in that way. And I do believe that I'm going to feel a painting in my body and the weight and the mass in my mind. And, and I'm going to, I don't care if it's a painting or a sculpture or an installation. I still feel like, or a painting, a, a street art painting in, in, you know, on a bridge. I feel like I'm going to experience it that way. And I thought that was, I thought when he said that, that was just a bunch of garbage. Because I don't believe that people are that simple. And and that two dimensional. I think that everybody experiences things in in different ways, and oftentimes in profound ways. No matter what you do, who you are, what what ethnicity you are, what demographic you come from, I think that that was really a weird thing to say, and and it was it was kind of offensive. And his whole talk was offensive, to be honest. Like I really did not buy into any of that. And I and I, I go, okay, well, let me. 
let me not just berate somebody and dismiss somebody because some of those structures are fucking incredible. Uh, whether he did them or not, like the the light domes and all those things he's doing, that that's absolutely incredible. I'm talking about the waterfall, which now you've explained, which is what I thought, what he explained, and then the rivers, what he did with the rivers. Explain that as well. I will, but first I want to react to what you said. Don't. And I think you're interpretation is obviously completely valid, but I think what Olafur is trying to do and what he successfully does for me is he distinguishes the way that viewers typically intellectualize art from the way that we feel art in our bodies and recognize our bodies in the space in a way that isn't really possible in the traditional viewing dynamic. But it's not art because it's just a waterfall that he's created like an amusement park and then, you know, and has the ability to make it modular and bring it to wherever in the world that he wants to if he's spending millions and millions of dollars. So you got to be really careful with just saying, oh, that's art, you know, because then anything can be art. But I think that it is. And the way that graffiti writers use aerosol as their material choice, he's using water. He's using concept. And I don't think that that's and he's not less. using water like, you know, he's not doing reverse graffiti where he's spraying out from dirt and creating and actualizing something that's tangibly understood that can be emotional as well. He's using water as a waterfall that already exists in nature. And I'm not saying that there can't be something done, but when I heard his explanation, I just called bullshit. And it, it, it is a very ivory tower, you know, over intellectual art, contemporary art trip. And everybody loves him. Oh, he's doing installations at the Tate. He's getting paid millions of dollars. And I'm just looking at all his stuff going, oh my God, like this is where we are today with art. Like to me, it's, it's really a travesty and I, I find it offensive. I really do. And not many people are going to have the fucking balls to say that. And I'm telling you that right now that I call bullshit on what's going on in the art world and a lot of what's going on. And I looked at that waterfall and I went, let me try to get into this. Let me try to digest this. Let me try to just be like, okay, this is cool. And then he's explaining it. And I'm going, oh my God, I just can't help but to, I'm sweating. I'm like, I can't help but to think it's bullshit. And all of you guys out there who love it, like that's great. And Lizzie loves it. And I have all kinds of, all kinds of respect for Lizzie. There's nobody that I respect more. Uh, and well, Manny a little bit, but no, there's nobody <laughs> I respect more, especially with respect to art history than Lizzie. I really don't, I really don't respect anybody to the level that I respect you. And I, and I validate all your opinions. I just have to say that like, when I feel this strongly about something, I, I got to express myself. And so I'm looking, no, but I'm looking at his work going like, where, where can we draw the line? Where is it actually just bullshit. Like, where do we have to say that this is goddamn... Like, come on, guys. Let's look at his work and write into us. Am I out of my mind or is Lizzie out of her mind? Is he a master? Is, is he a master of bullshit? <laughs> I just want to know. So okay, can we so move past the waterfall to the river? Yeah, let's move from one body of water to another. But the, <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to say that I, I just think is really interesting is that you talk about his work as if we're in the ivory tower of the rarefied art world, which for me is actually the opposite mm -hmm. of how I interact with his, his installations, his experiences, his activations, whatever you want to call them. I see them as equalizing, as socializing, as creating a sense more of community 
than that isolated intellectual. For me, this is actually the dismantling of this precious ivory tower. So my larger point in saying that is that how fascinating that two people who are very well studied in art history can look at the same work from two completely opposite perspectives in the way that we receive the impact of that work. And isn't that the point of art? to spark a conversation, to spark an aggressive opinion, whether yes. for me it be a positive one and for you it's a negative, you're offended. Yes, if it was art, that would make sense. But this is not art. But it is art because look what it's done to you. Art, Good art is meant to make you feel. And you feel, you feel a lot of stuff I right feel now. A I viscerally sick to my stomach. <laughs> See, so it's... Look, it's I great feel art. the stomach acids forming, <laughs> and it's creating what's I just called hit my head. <laughs> okay, um, so the river. Yes, the river. In the river, there's. Is that the what one, it's called? Uh, it's called Green River. I think yeah, it's, it's a series from river. the late '90s to the early 2000s, and there's this one chemical compound. It's totally non-destructive, and it's called uranin, I think. And <laughs> that sounds pretty destructive. I know. Sounds just like urine and <laughs> well, uranium. would use it it's to like a, It's like a portmanteau of urine <laughs> and uranium, which is the most toxic two chemicals in the world. <laughs> also, I love how passionately you've adopted portmanteau. I think it, it makes me so happy. You, the fact that you even called that out <laughs> is really... <laughs> oh, it just yeah. fills my body with joy. Anyway, Well, so that's what happens when you have the monominous Bua talking about things. <laughs> so for the Green River, what Olafar did was he took large quantities of this compound, the, the urine compound, and he put it all in a renegade fashion. So there was never any pre-acceptance of this project, and he just did it. And it only lasted a few hours, but it would turn the entire body of water fluorescent green. And so not only does that help you identify and actually perceive in a way that you just take for granted this river, but it also helps you understand the environment around the river. And so I think that... Does it? Yeah. I mean, why? All of a sudden, I when there's a fluorescent green river, yeah, you notice. Yeah, but like to me, like, okay, if it's turning a green... Is it benign? Is it not killing the wildlife? Is there any wildlife there to begin with? Does it make us see anything at all whatsoever other than the fact that he's utilizing a body of water that shouldn't be utilized to do something that he shouldn't be doing? I think any change of space and environment forces us to reperceive that space and environment. Right, it's called fracking. Oh, that's no, cool. but I'm saying no, I'm saying like in fracking, they're taking our environment, they're cracking it open to drilling for oil, a gas and just just like what are we doing? We're destroying the earth. But we're not destroying, I understand. we're just temporarily visually altering. I know. See, that's what I can't get. I can't get over the fact that it's temporary. I can't get over the fact that it's benign. I can't get over the fact that somebody for art's sake is going to change a body of water to a fluorescent green and call it art. I just can't. It's not like um, Goldsworthy, you know, who's taking these really not affecting the forest landscape or not affecting the brook or the stream or the river or the valley. He's interacting with it in a very delicate, fragile way where he's creating art within art, right? Nature art within nature art. Andy Goldsworthy I'm talking about. Oh, I, I know. Yeah, of course. Okay, right. <laughs> so I'm saying like he's doing it in a way. This is a very... I don't know. You, and, and even if it is benign, it doesn't make me do anything except 
the environmentalist in me just kind of, you know, gets just it gets me. It makes me feel like there's something wrong with this. Like, so question then. And it's not making me go like, oh, are, he's really pointing out the fact that the rivers could be poisoned or that, they, you know, we need to take action. It's just making me go like, what the fuck is he doing? But it also what it made you me ask do. that other question about whether the rivers are poison and whether we need to take action. So that was autogenous. No, 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 you no, generated did, did, that no, from his work. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's making me become more politically motivated. He's making me say, don't fucking touch that shit. That's all he's making me do. And that's a reaction too. So I think that it's a provocation. It's meant to generate something from you. But just my question about the but land I can't artist. Look at that and say, even, even all that aside, I can't say, oh, that's art. There's no way that that's art. There's no way that that should even be called art. And that's, once again, we need to define the distinction of like neo-visual fuckery or cleverism or I don't even know what to call it versus art because art's becoming really loose now. Art's loosey-goosey. It's just becoming crazy. It's like I just pissed on a homeless guy while I, you know, farted in my own car space. Is That's art. Like, what? You just wait. You did what? Well, I took the river and I turned it green. Oh, my God. What you just said about the farting, that is a perversion of performance. But you know what? But if I just you... turned the river green. I'm going to call that art. I'm going to get an endowment so that someone could pay me for art. There's a lot of goddamn good painters sitting in their studio struggling who can't get $2 who can't rub a nickel together to pay enough money to get a breakfast burrito, but this motherfucker's getting endowments to 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 poison the river visually. <laughs> See how did. I changed it to visually? Because uh, yeah, I said poison the river. <laughs> he's going to say it. He's going to say it visually. Oh, he didn't say it. God damn it. I so wish he did. So going back to the land art, just a legitimate question that I have for you, because so much of the land art that was done in the 70s and the 80s was actually incredibly environmentally disruptive. You and mean like... Like the gate? No, no, that was oh. later. Goldsworthy? So not, no, 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 not Goldsworthy okay. because his stuff was ephemeral that was right. really just documented photographically. But I mean like people like Smithson, Heiser, or their female artists too who did this with the displacement of land, Walter DeMaria. And so See, I don't that... even know that, but I'm not oh. for it. Oh. Okay, well, if you didn't know <laughs> I don't it, know what it is, but I'm, uh, but I'm against it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. I never heard of it, but I ain't for it. But I don't know, like, what, like, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not into that. Like, I'm not into, you know, I'm into street art in the respect that, like, we are aesthetically co-opting public space, taking it back, making things more beautiful. But I'm also not into, like, vandalizing on someone's business and people like, I don't want to shop there because it's ugly now. You see, I think that there's both, both sides to the coin. And look, I look at this gentleman's other works and some of the structures architecturally lighting wise, they're very beautiful. He's rethinking public spaces and how to beautify them and make them light domes and stuff like that. I think that one, pro one piece, what was that one? Oh, with the Tate? In 2003, yeah, I think? and and then he's got people lying down. And he goes, yeah, look, yeah. look at how they react. I'm like, dude, she's just moving. Like she's not really. He acted like that was like. I mean, maybe it was. He's seeing. She's seeing herself, right? And so right. she's reacting in her body. I mean, yeah, people do that in the mirror every day when they put lipstick on. Yeah, you know, but they or don't do that in the Great Hall of the Tate. So I think the but light do motif they not? Like why not? Like I sometimes take position of these 
figures that I see in figure painting. But you also are a viewer in a different kind of way. Well, I'm a professional dancer, so it's different. And you're also (laughs) a painter. And so I think that you internalize work in a way that is not typical of every viewing experience. So for me, the work that he does at the Tate is really exceptional in the way that he activates and empowers his viewer to contribute. And he has a show right now, Uh and I just saw it a couple weeks ago, And going through with my stepmom, it was just so fun because she is not a huge art lover. My favorite story about my stepmom viewing art is that I'm in The Hague and I see Girl with a Pearl Earring and my brother, who is uber intellectual, he and I are discussing the nuances of Vermeer's shading and the crackler and the luminescence on the pearl. And my stepmom walks behind us and she goes, yeah, she does look like Scarlett Johansson, and then walks away. (laughs) (laughs) It was so Uh, fun. So anyway, getting to experience this installation with her really drew drew home for me the success of Oliver's project, because he is trying to turn non-traditional art lovers into people who are excited to view, excited to experience, and I really think that this is where art is heading, that people want to participate in the work. And there was one room that we didn't go into because it would frizz up our hair, but all of this Mm -hmm. humidity in the room and the shadows and the light bouncing off of that. There was another where if you moved your body, the shadow would project on these multicolored forms on a corresponding wall. And it was fun. It was playful. And I think that's like a fun house. I mean, fun house has been doing that for decades. But you go into a room and you see a mirror and you look fat and you look skinny and you look tall and you look small and you look like insane and you know something comes out and it interacts with you because it's scaring the shit out of you and I mean it's a small world after all and Disney I mean that's changing the way that you're interacting with things too I, it's just really come but there on are environmental components there was this one this moss doesn't belong wall. in a gallery is my point this why can't this be the the like the you know, museum of funhouse, or not even call it a museum, just like the funhouse of amusement psychedelia or something like that. I just think that in a museum, in a postmodern global context that we're in, why can't art expand its borders a little bit to have on one side of the Tate this incredible immersive thing, and then on the other, a traditional exhibition of Natalia Goncharova, which well, is also currently at the Tate and was also exceptional, but for different reasons. Well, I mean, like, especially when I went to Europe and, you know, I when I was in Denmark and everything, I noticed that everything is kind of moving towards this. Everything is installation. More museums are more contemporary. People want to see that more. People are used to that more. And so everything is going this in this direction anyway. Uh, and, you know, all... and. Uh, I'm speechless. No, I, I, you're not. Yes, I am. I really, <laughs> I really have nothing. You know, architecturally, I like some of his stuff. I like the interactions, and you know, I, I think that it belongs in a different environment. And I could see that, you know, in different environments to be really cool. And I've been to some beautiful, great structures around the world that are really game changing. You know, and and making a difference in terms of experiential and ergonomics, but. I just have a problem calling what he's doing art. That's all. Yeah, and I think that that is an opinion that many people share, and really it comes down to... I think most people don't, though. I don't know. I think that we differ in our 
levels of embrace of conceptualism. Because for me, the way that he describes the work and the way that he connects it in his writing to larger socioeconomic themes and also a real look at the environment and an embrace of that as a trope that we need to to be more conscious of, to me, that is the art. And he that probably is what eats meat and it. doesn't even recycle. But anyway... Um, but I would be f- I would be fascinated to see what his real you know how what is his carbon footprint like you know I'm interested like put your money where your mouth is and maybe he is this vegan who doesn't travel and you know goes everywhere by skateboard I don't know like I'm just saying like it's you know does he drive an electric car like it's just like it feels gimmicky to me and I just like to be protective of the word art and what is art and who is creating art and. And I also believe that we all, you know, the deep sense of bua is that we all are artists and we all can unlock that. And we were born with this deep structure and understanding of art. We, we all are. I mean, it's in our DNA. Every single person is an artist. But that doesn't mean that what this is should be called that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because to round that out, I what I think I'm just trying to say is the fact that our conversation about the same work can be so diverse and complex sure. and theoretical and exciting and passionate. That, to me, it highlights the efficacy of what Oliver is doing. Okay. Well, let's let you can take your time in retracting the word master, and I could tell <laughs> you that this is the end of the episode. And all, and I, it's, it's been a great one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, went, I really need everybody to chime in and talk about. Like, what do you guys think of him? Because it's really interesting to find out what our viewers do think. Because I remember I had a, I did an American Revolutionaries about Rauschenberg, and I slammed Rauschenberg, and I got so much hate because people really loved him, you know. Yeah, and I people found people are smarter than you, and Rauschenberg is bomb. There you go. So that, <laughs> that, that that's that's fascinating, right? So like, maybe people agree with me, maybe they agree with you, maybe they're in the middle. I'm so curious. So please. You know, write us a comment. We're yeah, doing this let because us know. we're doing this because we love to do this. Uh, it's a labor of love for us. We're not getting paid a dime to do this. We're doing this because we really love to talk about art and history and to share it with you guys. Peace. <laughs>